All right, hey everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, I am your host, Mark. And I am Ashlyn. And uh, this is the Mark Explains Podcast. So on today's podcast, uh, we get to chat with two very good friends of ours. Uh, The first is an old friend of the show, Danny Prada. Um, He was actually on the very first episode titled When It All Falls Apart. Uh, He's a pastor of a church down in South Florida called Heartway Church. You can find his stuff on www.heartwaychurch.com. You can also find him on Instagram and Facebook at Heartway Church. and he, he also posts his Sunday sermons on Podbean and on iTunes podcast. So you can um, catch all of his sermons. And his church is doing some really cool stuff, some cool philosophy and, and things that I think are, if, basically, if you are a traditional Christian, <laughs> um, you are going to love Danny Prada and, and and what he's doing, I highly recommend him. And I think this is the first time we've ever promoted a church on this podcast. It is, yeah. Um, I did want to say really quick, Mark, that um, what I think is cool about this podcast uh, and what we're doing is like we set we we set out to have uh, a certain conversation uh, with Tony and Danny, and it kind of went. In a different direction. It went a in a bit. different direction. Yeah, we had a good idea about where this conversation was going to go today, and uh, it kind of went in a different direction, which is cool. So this is, I think, I think it's it, it's in line with the uh, the intention of of this podcast and this project um, to be very authentic, and and that's what happened. So it it went kind of a, outside of where we were going to go with it, which is okay. And, and I still think, you know, at the end of the day, when a great conversation happens and when great content happens and, and when, when we talk about stuff that I think people will grow from and people will be challenged by, that's really the, the idea here. And that's what happens. Yeah, no, this was such a fun conversation. Uh, We're actually talking about some self-love today, loving your neighbor as you love yourself and uh, how we're going to how that kind of plays into uh, basically all of the conversation we have uh, on this podcast today. The second friend that we also talked to is is an old friend of ours. Both me and Ashlyn have known her for, man, a long time now, over yeah. a decade. Um, she brings such a bright light into this world that we live in. Her name is Tony Inskeep. We love her so much and her perspective that she brings to this show today. We know that you're just going to appreciate that all she has to give. We're definitely going to be having her back on the show in future episodes. So we are look, definitely looking forward to that. Also, I wanted to say real quick, this uh, on the last episode, um, I made a comment about the earth being flat. And I wanted to clarify briefly, uh, because I am, in fact, a geoscientist, and I do not believe that we live on a flat earth. I am not a part of the, quote, <laughs> flat earth society. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a real thing, by the way. You can look it up, flat, flat earth society. You probably shouldn't, though, because if you go down the, <laughs> the YouTube rabbit trail. Oh, uh, it's such a fun rabbit hole, though. It's uh, so great. I mean, if you got deep. a strong if you got a strong head on your shoulders and you understand uh, the basic physics of this world we live in, <laughs> 
you'll think it's actually just a lot of fun to watch. Um, if you don't have a strong grounding in uh, geophysics and geoscience, I guess don't go there because it'll it, it just makes you question some things that are basically fundamental truths. But so what I was referring to the when I said I was more or less just referring to the flatness of a plane, not the flatness of like the flat Earth. Like if you look at the surface of a balloon, the surface uh, is a plane with two dimensions, X and Y, and a lot like the surface of our Earth, it also has two dimensions, X and Y. I mean, it's more or less. I was simply talking to the surface of the Earth that has two dimensions. Obviously, there's mountains that go up and down, and it gives it a third dimension, but I'm not really talking about that. I'm talking about the spatially infinite flatness of the surface of our Earth, not a flat earth i hope that makes a little more sense we're not promoting flat earth ideas although that may come on a later episode for conspiracy theories so um really exciting this is kind of an announcement um we're, we're going to introduce a new segment to the mark explains uh podcast and i'm i'm excited about it and mark are you excited about it pumped pumped so so this is <laughs> I'm cool super stoked yeah uh we've joked a little bit in a few episodes about uh well not really joked i think we were sincere uh about we've hinted you know, folks fact checking us which i think you know is a good thing so let me explain this a little bit i think um a primary value that that you and i both share mark is that when we say things we want to be factually accurate we do we we, we don't want to ever say something, uh, especially in the context where we're talking about science and we're talking about uh, faith, which is kind of subjective, but we're, we're talking about um, things that people, people take really seriously. Uh, we don't ever want to say things that just aren't true. And, you know, as human beings, we naturally make mistakes. We, may, we naturally have errors. And uh, it, is, it is inevitable. We will. Yeah it will happen. So, um, so what we'd like to do, uh, is officially invite everyone listening to fact check us in mm -hmm. a, in a very fun way. So, um, when we say something in it and your bullshit meter goes off, uh, you know, look it up, find some data, find some research and send it to Mark or I, uh, you can send it to the show's facebook page you can message us or on the instagram page or if you know us personally you can you know reach out to us uh mm -hmm. and and send it to us and we're gonna ha have like a contest with this and it's gonna be really fun <laughs> so uh if if whoever sends us uh and you could do this every week it doesn't matter you know all the time it's an open invitation uh every once in a while we will invite someone to come on the show uh and and challenge us with the facts and mm -hmm. and in not, not in like a debate mean way in a fun way we want to recognize you celebrate you uh for holding us accountable which is important to both of us uh in the show's context so yeah. it's going to be i don't know what the name of the segment is just the time for the fact check i guess bullshit factor yeah <laughs> bullshit factor and and, and i i want to encourage people to uh bring sources because if you say the chive says this i or uh the onion exclaims this i probably will call bs on you yeah and, or according uh, <laughs> to the white house uh press secretary <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> um, so, so approach us with uh, good data, and mm. and and we we will correct ourselves. I mean, we're we're about making this world a better place, and and having accurate information is is important. So. Um, also, if you haven't yet, though, uh, kind of switching gears, head on over to iTunes or Podbean or wherever you're listening to this and subscribe. We're also on iHeartRadio and Spotify um, in the podcast section. Um, so uh, go to there, subscribe to these more or less biweekly podcasts, and also go to Instagram at Mark.Explains and Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast. All right. I think that's it. I think we're ready to jump in. Thanks again for listening and enjoy episode 12 here on the Ashlyn Explains podcast. <laughs> so we have uh, Ashlyn is from Michigan. If you want to introduce yourself, man. Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm from Michigan. Uh, I don't know what else is important here. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I went to, I mean, we've done this, like I've been on the podcast a bunch, so yeah, I don't no, know if I need to go through the whole no, thing. No, I, I can guarantee but, you there's people that are coming in right now that have sure, never listened to sure. us before. For a quick rundown, um, I, I know Mark through, uh, master's commission. We went to, uh, Bible college basically, uh, together and then about a decade ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a decade ago. Then I went to, um, Went back to Michigan and uh, was in a youth and worship pastor, like an associate pastor at a small church uh, for a few years. And then I went through and I'm currently going through some deconstruction, uh, I guess is the popular term for it. And uh, rethinking a lot of my beliefs and just trying to be a better, trying to be a better human. That's awesome. Tony? Hi. I don't even know what to say. Who? Hi. <laughs> Introduce yourself. How old are you? Where do you live? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I'm Tony. I live right now, like right outside of Philly and like a South, a town in South Jersey. Um, I'm 31. I'm in my thirties. <laughs> 31. Um, I met Mark. I know. Crazy, right? You, I feel like you never feel like you're you are the epitome of what you thought an age was before you got to it. Yeah. <laughs> like, nah, yep. I'm not, I don't have my power suit yet, oh. but anyway, <laughs> I met Mark and Ashlyn at the same like ministry program thing. Um, cult. which was like, the cult. <laughs> oh, I thought you guys were talking about school. Well, it's kind. Of, it's kind of a school. It was oh. a discipleship in quotes discipleship program that oh. you could get credentialed through if you yeah. tracked that way. Um, oh. But it was it was uh, heavily controlled. I, I immediately regret dropping the c word. There's there's a lot of things that are uh, very good about about that program. He's, and about he's talking about. Did. Um, cult as the c word we're talking about that may not be a bad word i mean even if even if you know it's not a cult it can still have you know cult-like tendencies and attitudes and you know i I was actually a part of a cult though but that could be a conversation for another time 
we're going to we're going to talk about Colts. <laughs> so we're, you can't just drop that like and just walk away from it. I'm sorry, sorry. I'm like, I need another bite. What's going okay. on? I used to sacrifice puppies. <laughs> Tell me about yourself. <laughs> All right. The long story short is basically, I when I like first converted to Christianity, um, my freshman year of college, I came a- across these. Uh, group of folks who would meet on Wednesday nights for like four hours at a time. One of my close friends who had helped me like kind of learn more about God and the Bible and Christianity was in that group. And so he wanted me to be a part of it. Right. And so in order to get in the group, you have to jump through all these hoops. You have to qualify. So you have to read a certain amount of books. You have to be able to answer certain questions. You have to show up on time to a couple things. And then from there, once I passed those qualifications, I got into the group. And basically, this whole group is that the main guy is like the prophet. He's the head honcho. Nobody tells him anything. He, if you want to do anything in your life, you have to ask him for permission. If you want to date, if you want to get married, if you're going to move somewhere, you have to follow the chain of authority. Okay. And so everyone. Fall, falls under this hierarchy somewhere. And um, basically... I thought he was describing Master's Commission. I was like, oh, oh we're, yeah. we're Master's Commission. <laughs> we, we had to ask, there, we had oh to, ask to date. There was a library of books uh, that we were allowed to read. Anything else outside of that library, we were forbidden to read. We could not. And uh, I had one incident where I actually saw the main guy get physical with, with, with people. He was physically abusive. I experienced emotional and ver- verbal abuse from him as well. Um, but what got me out of it was the fact that I, which is really what has got me out of everything toxic. <laughs> which has been, Tell us more. <laughs> which has been my curiosity. Hmm. My curiosity. Hmm. My curiosity said, huh, why am I not allowed to read other books than these? Maybe if I just read other books from these same authors, that'll be okay. And uh, it was a very charismatic group, uh, very word of faith uh, kind of a thing, like prosperity gospel. And uh, I remember one of the the authors we would read a lot was a guy named Kenneth Hagin. And uh, as I was reading more and more of his books, I came across a book of his where he like renounced his prosperity gospel teachings. And uh, that helped me to like open my eyes and be like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. And then I left. (laughs) But yeah, man, all I want to do is talk about our stories. That's literally like, (laughs) well, let's just go through an entire de-evolution of our religious experiences. I really want to do that. Um, There's so much we could do. I feel like uh, we've already had 10 conversations. I know. Totally don't don't my, worry. I'm making notes. <laughs> my dad, I'm sure like between all of us, we've all lived quite a few lives. Oh my oh gosh. My dad <laughs> told me that he almost hired a private uh, detective to follow the guy around because he didn't work. He only lived off of our ties, which we were forced to give to him. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. It was- Jump back. Mm-mm. Miss me. Miss me with that. <laughs> How many people were were involved in this? It was um, always like a group of 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 like ten to fifteen, and anytime anybody would leave, they lost their salvation. They were, I mean, going to hell in a handbasket. And we were basically like this end times group that was here to let everybody know and warn everybody: Jesus is coming back, 
and like you better line up and join our ecclesia is what we called it hmm. yeah Tor- tony i see you just like you're you're just <laughs> i am speechless i am just speechless yeah. <laughs> and then after that i got connected with some council <laughs> So oh. my got like even worse. And then you found Rob Bell. <laughs> That's my gateway drug into life. Dude, Rob Bell is the marijuana to religious people. Yes, yes. And it's good. Oh no, it's it he he is as good for you as cannabis <laughs> is for the human body. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. He needs to he needs to patent that. And just put out a put out a little pamphlet that says Rob Bell, the cannabis legal. for the soul. Oh, he knows. He Recreationally knows. legal. <laughs> Rob Bell. I've gone to some of uh, Rob's like two day events and stuff where, where Oh he, yeah. And he talks about people tell him that. They told him you're you're my gateway drug. Yeah. But he like owns it. He's recreational in some states, but medicinal in all. Yes. Yes. I love it. <laughs> What's funny is when, when, uh, when in 2011, when Love Wins, I was, uh, I was working at a, at a church um, where I met Mark at the time, and um, we had a whole bunch of Rob's Numa videos. Oh, yeah. Small group material. And uh, the, when Love Wins came out, without even reading the book, I was just so angry that he was compromising the gospel and leading people to hell that I went into the closet of our mega church's you know, um, small group curriculum and threw out all the NUMA videos. <laughs> Get out of here. Dude, those and were then, so expensive. I know. Did you torch them? No, I didn't torch them. I just threw them out and never. <laughs> they spontaneously combusted. I mean, obviously. Five years later, I found myself telling Rob and saying, I'm sorry, dude, that was such a beach. Wow. <laughs> So, Danny, it's, it's good to have you back on, man. So, you are the pastor of a church down in South Florida called Heartway Church, um, which has become super popular among traditional Christians um, <laughs> in Florida. And actually, across the nation, everyone is talking about, if you are a traditional Christian, you need to check out Heartway Church. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think it was actually, I was talking to you, like you were the one that was kind of like, uh, um, pulled us all in to, to do like the self love, um, to do this entire episode on, on self love. And I'm, I'm glad that we had that conversation cause that kind of struck, it kind of struck a chord. And, and I think, I think that we're all kind of going through this together. And I think it's, it's really good because the idea is that like we, we can't, we, we can't get to the point of loving anyone else until we first learn how to love who we are and that's and and that and that's the most important thing so i, I want to start off by telling a little bit of a story real quick all right so in 2006 uh i was uh in master's commission this thing that we've talked about many times this bible college down in florida um and we were all coming back from christmas break um each year we would do uh we would go away uh, for Christmas, um, and when the students would come back, we would do this retreat, and the retreat was called Verge, and basically, it was 
our opportunity for all of us to kind of like uh, uh, repent <laughs> from all of the garbage that we did over Christmas. Uh, you know, if we talk to a girl or if we, you know, well, basically it was stuff to do with girls and boys. That's all it really was. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> um, and so uh, I, I, I can remember I was on the worship team at the time and I, well, we went up there and I mean, I, I crushed it. Let's be real. I, 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 I got that. And I, Tony, I think you were there at the time. Um, yes, I was. I, that was your first year. And man, I just, I laid it out. I got everyone all saucy. It was so good. Um, Jessica Mop and led worship with me. She's awesome. And I'm, I think Kristen was up there too. Um, and, uh, Got people all worked up and thick. The atmosphere was thick and uh, <laughs> got off the stage and went to the back because that's what I did. That's what we all did. Um, the whole worship team kind of meandered a bit to the back and sat by the sound booth. And like that, that was our go-to. Like that was what we did. And um, I can remember really clearly I was standing. It was, it's, it's wild because this is 2006, 13 years ago. And I remember vividly what happened. Uh, I was standing right to the left of the soundboard when I was looking up at the stage and there was uh, um, the director of the master's commission from Phoenix was in, and his name was Lloyd Ziegler. Um, I don't think he was related to Zig Ziegler, if you know who that is. Um, uh, but he was the, uh, the director and the speaker that night. And he started out and it was really simple. He started out by saying um, something really like it was something easy. He was like, Jesus spoke of two main laws and these two, and these two main laws were to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then also to love your neighbor as yourself. And I thought to myself, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you know, of course, uh, we're going to talk something super simple that we've always talked about tonight, you know. And so, but then he goes on, he says, tonight, we're not going to talk about the first one. We're going to talk about loving your neighbor as yourself. And I was like, yeah, okay. Then he said something that just struck me so hard. He goes, many of you cannot love your neighbor because you do not love yourself. And I remember it was, it was like Lloyd, that the pastor, it was like he shot this arrow and it was like over the crowd so perfectly above everyone's head and it dipped down and hit me right in the gut and it hit so hard. And I remember audibly saying like, I, I, it was out loud, but it was, it was not loud enough for anyone to hear besides myself. But I was like, nope, I am not ready for this. And I checked out mentally. I checked out completely. I I don't even remember another word of the entire night. I don't even remember anything else about that entire night because I, he had, he had pulled into light some of the darkest demons that were in my closet and I was not ready to face them because like my journey through Christianity seemed, it was like almost completely focused. I mean, realistically, unlike the prohibition of sex in every capacity, like that's what, my religious upbringing was, was like this prohibition of sex and like ridding yourself of porn and not thinking of other girls naked and not masturbating. I mean, th this is all that, <laughs> like, this is, <laughs> this is all it was like th th that was my entire religious upbringing. It was, it was, it was this washing me. It was like a washing machine cycle of me trying to rid myself of sex. And then of course, getting dirty again, over and over. Like I never even approached these like deep, dark demons that were inside of me. Like my entire life was like, I, I had been rejected my entire life. I had never learned how to love myself ever. And like, in fact, I had been like taught my whole life to like hate my story, to put on this 
facade. You know, I'd like messed up teeth when I was a kid and I was chubby and I didn't play sports and, and people made fun of me constantly for being older because I flunked ninth grade and, and Christianity, like Christianity, my religion n never touched this. It never approached self love. It never approached me learning to love myself. Like it never even glanced at it. Like my religious ideology perpetuated on many levels self depravity. It didn't teach self love. It taught me that I was worthless. Like that. Like that I was dirty. And I mean, I'm sure that that Danny, you on some level, um, I think we're gonna hear from from Tony and like what it was like from a women from a woman's perspective. Um, but like for me, like. It, w it was always about Jesus who was going to wash my sins because I'm filthy. I'm dirty. I'm a man and I'm all I want is sex and I'm disgusting. And when, when that director came onto the stage and pulled my, that the demon that was inside of me into the light, just for a brief second, that, that how I hated who I was, how I hated my life and hated myself. And I got to see how ugly that demon was. I was like, there's no way I'm going to ever let anyone else know about this. There's no way that I, I could not love anyone else truly because I did not love me. I did not love my story. So I think the, the first thing that jumps out at me, Mark, um, you said that Christ, you know, you, you didn't feel like Christianity had taught you your worth, that, that it had been, you know, all about how worthless you felt. And, and you had spent, you know, up to that point, 25 years in this religion and, and you felt that way. And yeah. I think that's evidence of that. I think what not Christianity or the church, but probably the collective group of people that are a part of those things are really good at doing, uh, is teaching that we're broken. And, and the, mm. like, that's, that's one of the, the, I think words that pop out when I think about my experience is that, you know, brokenness, we've got to be broken and yeah. we're really good about being broken. I just, I think that you you know you hit on something. I think we're we're incredible at being broken as Christians, and and I don't know, um, I don't know if we have the same emphasis on on the inverse of that, on being built up or on being loved and on you know being worthy, because that's not what we talk about. We talk about how unworthy we are, and and yeah. I think you know that that's powerful. That's a powerful story, man. If you start in the wrong place, you're going to end in the wrong place. Yeah, Most totally. of Christianity started with, you are a problem to God. Hmm. And so Jesus comes just to solve the problem that you are. He dies for you so that ultimately God can love you and bring you into the family. If you were to start in Genesis chapter 1 instead of Genesis chapter 3, okay, for people who are Bible nerds, Genesis chapter 3 is the quote-unquote fall Genesis chapter 1 is where we read about the fact that when God created everything, including human beings, it was all good and very good. And even more so than that, human beings are said to have been created in the very image and likeness of God. So when you start there, then you can end in a good place. We are inherently good. We do have inherent worth and dignity and value. And what Jesus comes to do under that paradigm is reveal to us who we really are, 
and what we have forgotten about ourselves, that we're all beloved children of God, that we all belong, that we all have a unique role to play in whatever it is that's unfolding in the universe. That's a much better and larger story. But I think for a long time, like both of you have mentioned, Christianity has been stuck on human being sinfulness to the point where, like I said, our sinfulness is something that is repulsive to God. You know, we're, it's like, we're like dirty rags before God, the way some people put it. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's no way to build any sort of healthy foundation. You're, you're, already, you're already starting off bad there, if that's mm. the start, you know. So I think people need to recover what it means to say we're, we're image bearers of God. If we start there and if that becomes the way we define ourselves and define other people, uh, we can make some progress, but well, you know, I I see, I you know, I, you say like we are in the image image of God. I I that hits me because like that I've heard that that statement that saying so many times. I'm you know like for me like I am the image of God. Of course I am, but I'm also human, and I went through the fall just like you were talking about. So like there is like every every thought that I have goes through the filter of everything that I've experienced to this point, and these filters have been put into place like. One, I am, I, I am a sex-ridden, sex-fiend, maniac, disgusting, dirty, filthy human of a man. I know Ashlyn's face. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, let's be real. I mean, if I take if I take off the filters, that's what that's what I have been taught. And so when you're when you're taught that and when you're program that it becomes a filter. So it's not even a thought anymore. My thoughts go through that filter before I even get to the place of we were made in the image of God. So like, yes, of course we were made in the image of God, but I'm stained. And of course we were made in the image of God, but I'm, but I have perverted that with my disgusting manness. Like that's like, that's what I've been taught. And it, and it's, it's created within me this self deprivation. Like I, I can't even love myself because I started dirty and broken. And, and like, how can I come to this place of loving others? How, how can I look at this nation that we live in? And, and I see, I see the, the division within our nation and I see the division within our like outside, like nationality, like, and, and religiously, like how, how are we supposed to bridge this gap? within ourselves like how are we supposed to bridge this gap religiously or even even politically if i can't even if i'm not even starting from a place of love how can i get to a place of love that for me just what you said right there like the specific topic that you're talking about um it gives me two thoughts one thought is um how you're talking about um the sort of lens that you were taught to look at yourself through hmm. as a man. Um, it makes me think about how women were taught to look at men <laughs> in general, because hmm. I'm hearing those things and I'm thinking like being a woman and being taught honestly outside of like, you're like brothers, protect your brothers, watch your clothing, like don't hug your brothers. Um, because it's your fault if they stumble, like there's that, but then there's also like being taught, um, like be careful with men because this is what they think about you. And like how that lens was kind of like 
inadvertently given like in teaching the adverse of that to women of like, be careful because anything you do in interaction with a man, it can be taken as like, like something sexual or it's going to be skewed because this is how men view the world. It's like you were taught that lens was on your eyes. And so was I, Hmm. if that makes sense. So there's that thought. The other thought that, that kind of leads me to is the way that men are taught to interact with sexuality Um, and how that for me is interpreted in that commandment where it says like biblically, where you get the love your neighbor as yourself through sexuality, how are men taught to love their neighbor as themselves? Um, like how, how would that even work out? Like if you're taught only in the lens of sexuality, like you're bad, you're dirty, just work on cutting that off. Like, were you ever taught, if I'm your neighbor as a woman, were you actually taught how to value me as another human being? No. Or was it all about scaring you to death Yes. so that you stayed away from me and scaring me to death so that I stayed away from you? It's all prohibition, like, yeah. It's it's all, we must rid ourselves of this. And and the reason I'm I'm kind of zoning in on on this one thing is because like I think of my religious experience and how much it literally was just me asking God to forgive me of masturbating this is this was my whole life like I'm not joking and it's like every guy out there literally is like oh yep yep you know like I I don't (laughs) I've said this before like I don't I wouldn't say I struggle with masturbation anymore. You know, like it's, 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 <laughs> you don't gotta it's, clarify anything for us, bro. Thank you. No here. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. that. Um, you know, and, and, um, in doing so in hyper focusing, um, on, on these issues, on hyper focusing on the idea that sex is the gateway in a sense to all other sin, which let's be clear. It's sex is beautiful. And like we are sexual, Nate, like we are sexual beings. Like humans only need four things on this earth to survive. We need, we need food, we need water, we need shelter, and we need sex. Like those four things, that's it. And the church has completely pro, like they, they have, they have called prohibition to one of the four fundamental needs that we are as humans because we're so afraid of perversion yet the idea like the whole reason i'm bringing this up is is because they hyper focused the entire the entire issue of my entire religious experience i wasn't able to look at the deepest darkest roots of who i was as a person and begin to pull those into light which is the entire idea of making yourself a better human is to pull the, the, the things that live in the shadows into the light and expose them for what they are. Because when you can do that, you can say, Hey, that's actually not that bad when it's in the dark. It, it, it seems like huge. It seems like a monster and you don't want anyone to see it and just, just tuck it away. And, and for years and years and years, which is what I did for literally 30 years of my life. The, uh, this is kind of cool that we're bringing up this subject because this weekend I'm actually taught I'm doing I do an annual sex sermon every year, and uh, and and so and it's usually a pretty pretty big hit with our folks. So this year is the third annual Danny Prada sex sermon at Hartway, and uh, awesome. I'm actually taking a good chunk of time to read uh, some scriptures about oral sex 
and it's going to be great because my in-laws are going to be in the room and my parents. Oh, I love this. (laughs) I'm purposely going to make people uh, feel very like squeamish and awkward by reading to them uh, poetry from the Song of Songs about women's breasts and and, uh, oral sex and and penises and all this. Obviously, Oh, my gosh. That's so awesome. But it's going to be phenomenal. And the whole point is just to let people know, listen, let's stop making this a taboo thing. Let's talk about it. Let's be honest about who we are as human beings. Like our sexual desires, our sexual thoughts are not bad, evil, corrupted. We've got to learn how to accept all of those sexual thoughts and desires as part and parcel of what it means to be human. And once you start there, once you can accept that as part and parcel of what it means to be human, you can actually find in a very paradoxical way real freedom. Hmm. In a sense, in a sense, the truth will set you free. Exactly. What I think is that one of the worst things Christianity has done is teach people to repress their sexuality because you will obsess over what you repress. You will. And when your sexuality is repressed, it then becomes expressed in the wrong way. And so that's what we've seen happening with so many people who grew up being told these are the parameters, these are the boundaries, don't cross this line because then you're out of God's will or God's going to be displeased and disappointed with you. We we think we drive ourselves crazy every time we have certain thoughts or desires and we're, we try and eradicate them and know how can I be thinking these thoughts and it's bad and it's wrong instead of just accepting and embracing the fact that it's actually normal, hmm. you know? So the, I think, honestly, the, the, the key is to learn how to just kind of let those thoughts and desires be what they are without you judging yourself for it. Hmm. And when you do that, it becomes much easier to let them go. And then you can choose which ones you want to act on or not based on your own, you know, <laughs> decision. But um, I, 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 I honestly think the church has made sexuality an even worse problem by addressing this issue in the way that the church has. I mean, I think, you know, I think on the surface, you're absolutely right. But I think that it just anthropologically, there's got to be more to the story. Like, when you think about how, like, I don't, I don't think there's any scriptural basis for saying that one sin is more sinful than another sin. Right. So, so this is something that the church has done over the course of thousands of years. We've, we've taken, you know, we've ranked sin and we've said, you know, here's the worst possible kind of sin you can have, right? And it's usually sexual in nature, uh, you know, or, and then here's the next sport, you know, and, and we rank these things. An example of that is like there are very few, I shouldn't say very few, uh, there are very few traditional Christian churches that would um, do a marriage for a gay couple, right? That's just, you know, that's, uh, there's just not going to happen because the pastor of the church is going to say, no, I don't support that marriage. But in premarital counseling, I don't know if pastors are asking their parishioners if they're, if they overeat or if they smoke cigarettes or if that, you know, any other sin that's in their life isn't going to stop them from, you know, doing that marriage or letting that marriage happen in their church. So, you know, as a, as a society, as a culture, we've said, here's the worst thing you can possibly do. And it's sexual in nature, whether it's premarital sex or homosexuality or masturbation or whatever the case may be, we've ranked it at the top. 
And, you know, I think that it has to do with control over thousands of years. Again, I don't know that. I don't have a, uh, a degree in, in the history of this, but it just makes sense that the, the men in control of this establishment have leveraged this to somehow control people. Sure. The only people who try and regulate and control sexuality are those who are afraid of their own. And that's how ministers are taught to be, afraid of their own sexuality. And so they got to make sure everybody else's is in check, too. And it's crazy. That's why, like, personally, I, I, I try and move the direction um, of this conversation about sexual practices from like sinful or not sinful to healthy or unhealthy. Mm, that's really good. Because we always associate sin with God's anger, God's displeasure, God's judgment. And so anytime we take a, a, a wrong step, it's just the guilt and the shame and the self-condemnation and the judgment. So for me, I'm a lot more interested in, in, in what constitutes healthy sexual practice and what constitutes unhealthy sexual practice because that framework removes the guilt and shame from the conversation and allows us to actually be fully human and not be scared about these kind of conversations. I feel like there's a huge, in a lot of things, in a lot of areas, there's this, um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a fear thing. I don't know um, what the cause of it is, but I feel like people forget to look at the root. So we've got a lot of behavior management and like going around trying to make sure everybody's like behaving properly on the outside, but a neglect to look at, examine, or to teach based on what the root of something is, which for mm -hmm. me speaks to whether something is healthy or not healthy. So right. like when you're talking about sexuality, okay, if honestly, what I, <laughs> a thing that has come up for me a lot recently is that if the church is going to take such an outspoken stance on being an authority on sexuality and what is right in sexual practices. There needs to be a lot more of a holistic approach on how to talk to people about it at all. Yes. Yes. But this is the problem. How in the world can anybody in the quote unquote church feel like they can have any sort of authority yeah. on this conversation? Yeah. When we had hundreds of Catholic priests abusing nuns and little kids. Yeah, and a, a, a report just came out this week about hundreds of Southern Baptist ministers who have been abusing and taking advantage of. And what? In what way? I think the church is the only one that doesn't notice and recognize that they've lost credibility and you don't have any authority. And unless you start reframing this conversation, or first of all, before you even talk about it, you need to be about it and change yourself. Before you even do that, you don't have a right to say anything to anybody about what they're doing with their sexuality. Hmm. I mean, that's maybe I'm just getting worked up, but I, it's just, <laughs> it you know, yeah. it doesn't make sense. So, Mark, uh, a big part of your what, what you've described as your deficiency in self-love had to do with your sexuality. Yeah. Right? So, so yeah. how have you come to a more healthy perspective and what does that look like and, and how is that? change your level of self-love and, and maybe we should get really define self-love and and try yeah. to nail that down well i mean i mean it well first and foremost i mean i masturbate every single day of my life 
<laughs> no, I, so, I no. I, so that is that's when that this is episode is actually when I say self love. <laughs> you guys didn't know. This is no, actually the masturbation I, episode. The reason why the sexuality okay. is so important to me is because it created a scapegoat for me to not talk about the real issues in my life and like talking about sexuality is is an entire episode within itself the way the church convolutes what uh, sexuality is and sex should or shouldn't be and honestly it should be kind of referred to the scientists to the anthropologists to those who know humans who know interactions who know who know uh the biology behind it because it is very complex in nature and then sociologically it's also very complex Two or three things that typically clergymen and theologians know nothing about because what they do is they get their ideas from frameworks that were built 2,000, 2,500 years ago, and those models need to be updated, and they're not. Are you saying the word of God needs to be updated, Mark? I'm (laughs) done with this podcast. Thank you for the invitation. Goodbye. Bye. See you later. (laughs) Well, I'm also saying that there are frameworks for cosmology and and the stars also – hard drive for sure yeah like it was a great model at the time but it doesn't it didn't work and the reason why i want to bring that up is because it create it gave me an excuse to not deal with me because i i was my biggest issue my my past the 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 rejection that I had growing up, my my rejection that I had from my from my mom, and then it, that that idea. See, basically, I I wasn't good enough. I like I I was the kid that wasn't good enough, so I had to be something else. I had to be another person to like to my mom in order for her to love me and accept me. And that's what I saw. I don't know if that's reality for her. She probably would say something else, but that was that's what it was for me. And so I took that into high school and in high school tears people apart so quick. I mean, they see the facade, they see the, the house of cards and, and that creates a perpetual motion of rejection from those people because they're like, oh, you're fake. We're going to make fun of you. We hate you. And that makes me want to be more fake. And that makes me want to put more of a, of a facade up. And so you, you get this you get this perpetual machine of self-hate and then that's masked in, in humor and that's masked in in trying to, to be with the, you know, like try to get in with the cool cool kids and, and all this. And, and, and like I'm literally hiding my pain and hiding my shame behind all of this. And I buried it so, so deep, so, so, so deep. And then honestly, all the pain from my issues with master's commission and and my, my, the huge story that I went through, um, with one of the pastors there uh, that created more bitterness and more pain, literally kind of laid a layer of sediment on top of it. And, and like, it just kind of got buried. And so now like, if I can just get my masturbation under control, I'll never have to deal with me, the dark me, like the really ugly version of me. And what it feels like you, you would have accomplished like, the ultimate, you know, thing in Christianity, which is controlling your sexuality. Yeah, you must control right? so it. Like That's you, it. If you can do that, 
fuck everything else, you're good, right? Like, yeah. Like, you've made it. You're you're the ultimate Christian guy because you don't struggle. You don't lust. You know, I, I, I think uh, part of the reason why I've had a hard time loving myself is because for a while I didn't know who that self really was, if that makes sense. Because my... My religion um, taught me to identify myself with my behavior, what I do or don't do. So if I do something bad, I am bad. If I do something I'm not supposed to do, I should feel guilty, you know? And so I, my identity was bound up in my ability to do right or wrong or be pure or not. And, and so every time that went well, I felt good about myself. Every time that didn't go well, I didn't feel good about myself. And it wasn't until I started like detaching myself from that. Like sexuality is a huge part of who we are, but that doesn't like define who we are, you know, whether we make good decisions in that department or not. I mean, we're all just kind of figuring out how to do that. But either way, uh, that doesn't define who I am as a person. And so I really had to dig deep into that question, who am I? If I'm not the thoughts that I think, if I'm not the mistakes that I make, if I'm not the things that I do, then who am I? And yeah, I mean, it was in that journey that I ended up discovering God, really. So I guess, so I guess the big question then, and I, I would love to actually hear from, from the three of you, like, who are you? And if you were to be really, really, really honest with yourself, like honest to the point to where it makes you uncomfortable if we were to kind of dim the lights in your heart and let your eyes adjust like what would we see and I'm, I'm kind of extending this as a rhetorical question I want us to kind of talk about this but I, I want us to get to a point to where the things that are in the shadow are just as important as the things that are in the light because you are all of you like who you are is every part of you. Like the peep, the 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 thing that people see on the outside is a collection. It, it is an emergent property of all of the things on the inside. Like I, my house faces the roof, faces the sky, but every room in the house is part of the house, even the ones that are the darkest. Like I am a collective part of all of me. And I need sometimes to turn those lights down and let my eyes adjust so I can see the things that are in the darkest parts of me. So my eyes can see those and I can begin to, in a sense, embrace the ugliest parts of who I am so I can begin to process through that. Because if I never see it, if I let the light in front of my face blind me from the darkest parts, when someone else comes and shines a light on that, I will run because I am not ready to deal with those dark places unless I've let my eyes adjust. What would we see as a nation, as a community, if we just asked ourselves, who are we? Like, if we were to be honest with ourselves and not turn the lights on, but dim the lights. question that's the question the question that's why nobody everybody's like i don't know 
Yeah, I mean, my mind goes in several different directions, but, um, you know, I, I ultimately think at the core of my being, I'm, I'm just love. And, and every, every part of me belongs. Hmm. And, and I want to integrate all of it in love somehow. I feel like the reason I almost can't answer this question is the same reason why um, what we're talking about is super important because like humans are so complex. Like I can't tell you all of what that is. There's so much, so much dimension to that, just like there is in you and like everyone, like there's, there's so much dimension to that. There's levels, there's um, like idiosyncrasies in, involved in all of that. That makes that really difficult to honestly um, answer. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's really, it makes that a difficult thing to really like put words to. But um, I think in hearing what you were saying about um, I don't know about how you were like hiding from things. It makes me think of, um, and like how like the sex and all of that stuff kept you from looking at like the parts of yourself. And I think some of the ways that some of these topics keep us from are almost gaslights that keep us from recognizing mm. and seeing who we really are. Yeah. Um, is because like, okay. So if you say love your neighbor as yourself, um, and you teach people only to look at their neighbor, you think that's a good thing because you're like, your neighbor is so valuable, right? But the other side of that coin, I wonder in some cases, is that you never look at yourself in a way that you ask yourself the question that you just asked. Hmm. Because you're so busy honoring that commandment to love your neighbor as yourself, that self-deprecation. Everybody in the room is so important and I'm just supposed to keep dying to myself that you actually never look at them, look in the mirror and even get to the point of self-love because you're not looking at yourself at all. Right. Hmm. Right. right. You're not allowed to. Yeah. 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 When I, so when I worked, uh, when I worked in the church, um, I was complete yes, man. And, you know, I think my time in master's commission and my, just my time in the church and in the culture was, you know, you have to serve, 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 and you have to say yes to everything and you, and you, you know, that was the, the mentality I think. And so, um, I spent a lot of time not taking care of myself to the point yeah. I haven't talked a whole lot about this on the podcast, but to, you know, brief description of my time as a, as a associate pastor, I lived in a house, a parsonage by myself and I was alone all the time. And unless there was, a, you know, I was at the church working, um, or going on a hospital visit or, you know, d doing something in preparation for making the church work. And so I was extremely lonely and I said yes to everything. And I just served and served and served. Um, and I was incredibly depressed uh, and to, to the point where I had like developed hypochondria. I thought I was going to die. I thought, you know, if I had a headache, I had fucking cancer. Like everything was killing me. Um, I read this book called Boundaries. 
and it's a really popular book. Can't remember off the top of my head who wrote it, um, but my and I'm going to butcher this, but like my <laughs> takeaway. So that was the that was the background, right? I was saying yes to everything, and I was completely giving myself to everybody and doing doing everything that was asked. Um, I read this book called Boundaries, and immediately walked away saying, you know. I'm going to say no to everything. Right. So for me, you know, I had to distinguish, you know, at the time it was like that self-love looks like saying no. And that's true, but it's not exclusively true because self-love also looks like being fulfilled by what we do for other people, for the people we love, for, uh, you know, the people that we're trying to serve or, or the people whose lives we're trying to make better. Um, so for me, I think to try to answer your question is really to try to define what self-love is. And I think it's, it's both a, a state of mind, like a state of being that you're okay with you and and it's also a process uh and it's something that can't be self-deprecating it can't be all about how broken i am it has to be about the things i'm putting in front of me um that i love and that and that that make me better that make me more whole that make me more fulfilled and um we're actually going to do another project uh, that's tied to another podcast, Mark and I, where this is kind of the theme, uh, getting better and, and improving and, uh, yeah. and doing it in a healthy way and not in a way that is self-deprecating and, and full of, you know, self-hate and breaking yeah. our self-esteem, but in a way that, um, that is good. And, and so I don't know what to say specifically to answer your question other than, um, when I turned on the lights, I see someone who wants to be better, whatever better means. I want to love better. I want to um, feel better. Certainly want to eat better. I, I want to do <laughs> things better. And and self-love is, I think, the process of getting better and, and then being okay, you know, with me. Yeah, I love these answers because, you know, and I especially like what you said, Tony, about the fact that we're just so, like, complex that it's hard to to say what we are. I Ultimately, I think, like, the fact is we, we just are. You know, like, who am I? I just, I just am. Yeah. <laughs> And whatever that is involved in that, in this particular form called Danny Prada, I need to hug and embrace. And hopefully that hug and embrace can help heal even those dark parts that are in me. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight it, I'm not gonna resist it, I'm not gonna wish it wasn't there. I'm gonna look at it and love it to wholeness. And I, yeah. I I would like to say one day that I am whole. That would be yeah. the goal for me, you know? But. Yeah. And I think it's important that you, what you just said right there, and because I, I would almost want to correct that statement just the tiniest bit. Mm 
instead of saying, I hope one day I am whole, it's I hope one day I, I see that I'm whole. Because, yeah. because if you yeah. want to come from, if you want to learn to love as a whole person, you have to come from a place of loving as a whole person. And like you, you are. You are whole, but we are we are taught that we're not. We're taught we're broken. We're taught that we're missing something. We're taught. I mean, even in society, you see these people like I'm. I'm looking for something. I just I feel incomplete. And and the, and the reality is, it's because you're not looking inward. Like our perspective is so outward gazed, not only in the church and but in society, it's it's the next best thing. And we're always looking for something else, or even helping something else. We see movies where the protagonist will will sacrifice themselves i mean i think i think of the movie like i am legend like he sacrifices himself at the very end in order to help all of mankind overcome this sickness or whatever it's actually oh love the movie let's just stop right there so good but like the the idea is if you want the self-love you have to take care of yourself if you want to help others you gotta start at a place of of embracing yourself of looking inward and finding those missing pieces are literally all around you but the lights have been off for so long and you've been staring at a gaslight for so long that you can't see the missing pieces are laying at your feet they're around the room that you're sitting in it's all around you and all a part of you it is who you are you are whole because you are and that is what i want to just speak into every heart and life out there is if you want to bridge the divide of the religious dissonances that are there of the political divide that is in our country that has ripped our country in half and created enemies of friends if you want to be a person who bridges that gap you have to to look inward you need you need to to give yourself a hug <laughs> like you need to literally embrace you need to spend time alone and love it you need to turn off the music and listen to the thoughts in your head and you need to love yourself because once the love starts inward once you pull those really ugly ugly demons into the light you're like like i can remember very clearly it was like just a few years ago when I began to look at those really, really dark demons, they looked like me. They looked a lot like me. And then I realized it, it was me because it was my past. It was my story. And then all of a sudden I like just started to clean them off and dust them. And they're like, Oh my gosh, this is actually like the missing part of me. This is this is why I felt like I was missing something because I was rejecting a part of who I was for so long. And when I began to embrace that the ugly part of me and I realized it's not actually that ugly because it got me here to this point and I love who I am now, so I have to love the ugliness in me in order to love the ugliness in others. And 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 honestly, Mark, I I I think the best gift that that any human being can give to the world is the healthiest version of themselves mm-hmm. you know because when we're all fractured and disrupted within ourselves, that's what we put off and give off to others you know mm-hmm. but but i think this this idea of self-love and self-care is is of ultimate importance because 
how I treat myself and deal with myself is going to have an effect on how I interact with everything and everyone else. Hmm. So what do we do? Uh, so how, how do we begin to love ourselves? Like what, how can we love ourselves as, as a society, as a community within the church, outside of the church? Like how can we love ourselves? Like what, what does that look like? I feel like a lot of people will hear self-love and something will go up like a wall might come up because people hear self-love a lot of times as narcissism. And when yes. they hear you talk about self-love, the first thing they're going to think is, I don't want to be a narcissist. I don't want to view myself as self-important. I don't want to view myself as being more important than the next person. So I feel like the first thing we can do is understand that to value oneself is not narcissism. Hmm. That just like anyone, if I ask you how you take care of your lawnmower, you're going to tell me that you take care of it like it's valuable. If mm. I ask you how you take care of your car in order that it would keep functioning properly, you're going to tell me that you take it and you get an oil change, that you get, your, you get regular maintenance on it, that you wash it when it's dirty, which is really not something that has to be done. You, without a second thought, without questioning it, whether without thinking, oh, am I putting this higher than its actual value? you will recognize this thing has value, so this thing needs to be taken care of. So I would say that one of the things in recognizing self-love, which maybe I would give the term if people struggle with that self-valuing, um, is to recognize you have value. Hmm. And inherently, you know that things that have value are to be taken care of. And I would say that there is no one, I would, I would honestly submit that there's close to no one who would say that they don't take care of something that they think is valuable. It's, it starts with recognizing that like, it's okay to love other people and it's okay to recognize the value in other human beings. But I think that for people who value that a lot of times someone hasn't said to them, um, it is equally as okay and good and honestly imperative that you understand your own value and treat yourself like you are as valuable as you see everyone else to be. Yeah, no, what I was going to say is that what, what I hear you saying is, is that basically the first step to self-love is giving you permission to do it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So step one is yep. give yourself permission to love yourself. Yep. That's, that's awesome. There's not even a step two and a step three. It's just that. <laughs> <laughs> Practically speaking, there's so many things you can do. Here's one. Yes. That comes to my head. Go get therapy. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> please. Really? Because there's, there are many parts of ourselves that need to be healed that we don't even know are there because mm -hmm. we sit down so far that we don't even, those things are just lingering in our subconscious mind. We don't even know that, that's, that there are certain traumas we've experienced that have caused us to become the way that we are and do the things that we do and say the things that we say. And so to have uh, someone who can help pull that stuff out of you and work with you and walk with you through that um, is extremely helpful. 
you know yeah. so that's that's a practical yeah. step in itself there go get go get help there <laughs> you all need it it's not like <laughs> You know, it's not for crazy people. Like everybody needs that. Therapy is literally for every person. It's not for those that are, you know, <laughs> mentally distressed human. or emotionally, you know, th- yeah. they need help. No, it, go right now. It's great. And, and, and for me personally, something else, uh, you know, self-love has taken the form of, of, of uh, resisting my urge to, to, to always judge myself and overly criticize myself. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just learning more and more how to, how to accept all of me, including those parts that are irritating and irritable to other people as well. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm just freeing myself from my own judgment and that's mm. been a big step. You know? Yeah. I hear that. I feel like a part of in that my personal, like kind of way to do that, like a practical way for me and not judging myself is to, um, I've kind of incorporated this meditation practice at the end of my like day where I go through and, um, think of all the things that I feel like the ways that I saw God or the ways I saw good in my day Hmm. or the divine, call it what you will in my day and the ways that I was open to and embrace that. And then on the flip side, I go through my day and I think I recognize and bring to the forefront all the ways that I'm actually feeling like I rejected that or the things, the times and moments that I felt like my shadow came up, call it what you will. Hmm. And in that, I say to myself and I say to the divine, thank you for showing me my shadow. Hmm. Like, just thank you for showing me my shadow. Mm -hmm. Thank you that I can see it. Mm-hmm. And then I just move on, like that's it. That's it. L- leave it in the day. That's it. Because tomorrow's it, another one. You let it be, and you let it go. Yeah, I love that. We need to learn to love ourselves, like through the beauty of diversity within ourselves. Like we need to learn to love ourselves through the pain of our past loving yourself by making peace with your past mm. and confronting that stuff and dealing with those issues that previously you were you were um, shoving down and ignoring that's a huge part of the healing process you know we need to learn to love ourselves through our physical bodies taking yes. care of ourselves absolutely we need to learn to love ourselves through our abuse-ridden childhood I think we need to learn to love our sexuality, not in spite of, mm-hmm. as being a good thing. <laughs> yeah. We need to learn to love ourselves in our frustration and our irritation and our bad moments. I think we need to learn to love ourselves um, in the fact that we didn't know what we know now until this very moment and to forgive ourselves in that to let it go i feel like we need to love ourselves through our inability to see the way that others see in the inability to feel the way that others feel yeah i think we need to love ourselves through setting boundaries and being okay that those things are there 
right there. I think we need to be allowed to love and celebrate the really good things about us that make us us. Yeah. Fred Rogers said, If only you could sense how important you are to the lives of those you meet. How important you can be to people you may never even dream of. There is something of yourself that you leave at every meeting with another person. I think what Fred Rogers was saying and what I take away from his brilliant words is that we mean something to people. We mean something uh, to people we interact with every day. And ultimately, we mean something to the people that we barely interact with. People at the grocery store, people uh, who wait on us at a restaurant, people who uh, take our money at the box office. All the people that we interact with, we have an influence on. And this idea, this concept of self-love, I think we, we sometimes we sometimes dilute this idea and and we make it less important because we make self-love a hundred percent about us i think i said in the podcast that there's really two versions of this there's self-love as a state of mind self-love is believing in a certain idea about yourself having self-esteem and self-value and and believing that you are good and believing that you're worthy of love that's a version of self-love and then there's this idea of self-love as a verb self-love is something you do self-love is a continuous action it's a series of things that you put into your life and it would be easy for me to think of self-love as doing things that make me feel good that's the that's the simple version the very surface level version of self-love it's cracking a bag of hot fries and putting my feet up at the end of the day because that's what feels good that's what i want to do that's what makes me feel happy in that moment but the reality is the verb of self-love is much more about fulfilling and enriching myself to the point where I can have a bigger impact on the people around me. When you think about the people you love, the people in your life, your family, your spouse, whoever it is, when we take loving actions, it's always about trying to make someone's life better. Not just necessarily happy. If I did everything that made my three-year-old happy, all the time I don't think that would really be love right sometimes I have to do things that make sense for him that make his life better I have to put him to bed at a certain time I have to challenge him to not eat 17 popsicles uh, in a row I have to do things that he doesn't that, that might be uncomfortable for him to express that love and when I think of self-love as a verb I think that's the same thing. We have to do things that make us feel challenged. We have to do things that enrich us, even if it means we're uncomfortable. It might mean going to the gym an extra day or choosing salad for dinner or having a conversation 
with a friend when the easier thing to do would be to turn on the TV. It might mean reading something that's challenging. For me, to be honest, self-love looks like preparing for a podcast, uh, you know, when I want to chill and enriching myself through these challenging conversations and executing this. That looks like self-love. If I'm not fulfilled, the people I interact with every day will get a lesser version of me. And self-love to me looks like preparing myself, enriching myself, fulfilling myself to the point where I'm a more effective and loving, caring and empathetic human. Guys, thank you so, so, so much for giving your time. And Danny, I'm excited to uh, l- listen to your sex talk this weekend, man. I'm, I'm so, I'm so pumped about it. Uh, I still keep it a little PG. No, man, go full <laughs> R. <laughs> yeah. If I did that, I'd have like three people in my church. But yeah, but then you'd but, have a whole new group of people. That's true. That's true. Maybe the three people. Yeah, it would be the three people that are real. Everyone else. Yeah, but it's happening little by little, you know. So, anyways, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for uh, letting me hang with you for this. Real quick, Daniel, where can uh, people go online to uh, see your stuff or visit you in Florida? Yeah, heartwaychurch.com. Our sermons are uh, available on Podbean and iTunes and I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Danny Prada. Shoot me a message. I'm not hard to get in touch with. So, But if you're weird, I will block you and ignore you. (laughs) (laughs) Boundaries, people. Boundaries. Yes. yes. You are loving yourself through boundaries. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I've gotten way too trigger happy with the block button on all my social media accounts I can't but love that enough it's my form of self-love first oh i love that uh <laughs> danny it was great to great to meet you man i, I look forward to to having you on again and, and chatting you up i had a lot of questions i had more questions and like more stuff that i wanted to get to but i think the conversation yeah. went just like it should have and um we'll just have to do it again and and dive a little bit deeper sure. and I, tony I for goodness sake it's just great to see your face, and and it's so good that you that you got on. I know you're going to join us again. I look forward to it. Yeah, we're going to have Tony back on. Likewise. Yeah. I kind of wish everybody <laughs> see Tony's face because it just makes me happy. <laughs> you're just like bubbly, happy thing that's making me. Happy. I think we should we should just do a screenshot. Like here, Tony, and that'll be the that'll be the promo video. That's just got it. Someone talking. I nailed it. Face. I got it. I literally got it. I'm gonna send it in. I'm gonna. Yeah, hold on. It's it's coming. It's coming in our uh, in our chat. Hold love on. for you guys. You've right, been yeah. forewarned. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Um, yeah, thank you guys. See y'all. All right, see ya. Bye.